You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. series a couple of weeks ago, just kind of looking at basic Christian doctrine, because we get a lot of people that are, you know, first-time visitors or people that maybe haven't been here uh, for very long, and, and sometimes they're just curious as to know, what do we believe? And we can put out a statement of belief that says, this is what we believe, but it really doesn't get any more than just kind of beneath the, the surface, and we kind of want to go a little deeper and just talking about, here's what we believe because I just believe we are in a time uh, in this culture where we're going to have to understand why we believe what we believe concerning God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the scriptures. And so a couple of weeks ago, we kind of started talking about the Trinity, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we kind of just laid out the foundation there of what we believe concerning uh, the the triune nature of God. And today I want to look at, for today and uh, next Sunday, I want to just talk about what we believe about the Bible. The Word of God is a very, very crucial, critical part of the foundation of Christianity, and it really is the spiritual health. Uh, It's, it's, you have to have this. Um, it, It is the spiritual health of the church. These last few weeks, I've been kind of talking about this upcoming Bible reading marathon that's kind of taking place all across the state of Iowa. As a matter of fact, in all 99 counties, we're going to be reading the Word of God out loud in front of the county courthouses. So beginning on June 28th at noon, we're going to just begin in Genesis 1-1, and we're going to go 80 hours, uh, hopefully ending sometime around 4 p.m. on July 3rd, kind of segueing into the 4th of July. Um, So we're going to be reading from noon till 10 p.m. on Tuesday, June 28th. We're going to start up again at 7 to 10 p.m. or or 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then we're going to start again Sunday morning at 6 a.m. on July 3rd. And we're going to go until we complete it. We've been recruiting team captains these last few weeks. People who would just be willing to say, I will organize a two-hour time slot. I'll go. I will recruit people from my neighborhood, my workplace, my family, friends, uh, church. I'll recruit people, uh, six to eight people who will take a 15-minute time slot and just show up and just read the scriptures. So what we're going to do is when we start, 15 minutes, one person's going to stop. The next person is just going to pick up where that last reader uh, left off. So if you would like to be a team captain or if you would just like to be someone that maybe just is a reader, uh, Karen Campbell and myself, we're going to be here uh, after service. As you can see, one of us, we would love to get you signed up. I said last week, Governor Branstad has signed a proclamation uh, and he has just been very, very supportive and encouraging the people of Iowa, get involved in this. And, he, and he's really saying we need to make Bible reading an everyday part uh, of our lives. While we'll be reading the Bible, uh, we're, we're going to read it out loud. I just want you to know there's not going to be any microphones. You're not going to be broadcast you know, all over the city. The goal is just to have the word of God just being spoken out loud publicly. Now, there's a precedence for this in many places in Scripture. One of those places is in 2 Kings chapter 22. Josiah, who was the youngest king to ever reign over the nation of Israel, at some point, king, king Josiah sends one of his officials, his secretary, 
He says, go to the house of the Lord, and I want you to see how much money is there in the treasury. So his secretary goes and kind of does an investigation, comes back, and he tells uh, King Josiah what he has found. And in addition to that, he says, I found this book of the law, which are the five first books of the Old Testament. He said, These, th- this was among the things in the house, in the treasury of the Lord. As King Josiah begins to read this book of the law, the scripture says he just rents, he tears his clothes in repentance because he realizes this is the word of God and we have not been following its mandates. And so King Josiah commands him in verse 13, he says, go to the temple. He's saying to the priest, his high priest, go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah. Inquire about the words written in this scroll that has been found. For the Lord's anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in this scroll. We have not been doing everything it says we must do. And then I want you to look at the next thing King Josiah does. In chapter 23, beginning in verse 1, it says, Then the king Josiah summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up into the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem along with the priests and the prophets and all the people from the least to the greatest. And there the king read to them publicly, out loud. He read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority between the pillar and the renewed covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all of his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. There was a public reading of the word of God, and we see the dynamic effect that it had on the people and upon the nation of Israel. There is power, there is spiritual power that is released when we just proclaim, when we just read, we acknowledge the word of God publicly. So I am encouraging all of you to get involved in this. There is power that will be released over this city, over this state, as we just begin to take our place and do exactly what King Josiah did there over the nation of Israel. So the next couple of weeks is we're going to just kind of, again, keep building on this. I want to talk about why the foundation of the Bible is so crucial to healthy nations and healthy churches, because just like the nation of Israel... The word of God is being lost in this culture today. It needs to be rediscovered. It needs to be proclaimed again. If we're going to build our lives, if we're going to build the church on God, then it is imperative that we know who God is and how we can have a relationship with him. Contrary to popular thought, the most important question about God isn't, is there a God? That's not the most important question. The most important question about God is this. If there is a God, has that God spoken? Do you know why that's the most important question? The only thing I can know about God, the only thing you can know about God personally, confidently, is what he chooses to reveal 
to us. I can look at the universe, all of us can, and we can surmise that all behind this, everything that we see and everything we experience in nature, we can look at all of that and we can surmise there has to be an intelligent design. There has to be a supreme being. Psalm 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. You can just go outside and look at the universe and easily come to the conclusion that there is some supreme being out there. And he is very wise, very strong, and very powerful. I think any scientist, honest scientist, that really looks at all of the intricacies of creation has to admit or acknowledge This just couldn't have happened by a big bang or evolved all on its own. The problem is when you try to dig deeper, you can't. Who is this supreme being? Does he have a name? What is he like? Does he know me? Can I know him? Does he really care about me? Does he have a plan and a purpose for my life? Can I have a relationship with him? And if so, how? There's only one way I can know the answer to any of those questions. God must speak. God must speak to those questions. He must reveal himself to us. If God had chosen to keep quiet and not disclose anything about himself to us, do you know what we would know about God? Absolutely nothing. God cannot be known confidently unless he chooses of his own free will to reveal himself, to disclose himself to us. Job 11 verse 7 raises this question. And Job says, can, and he says, can you solve the mysteries of God? Can you discover everything there is to know about the Almighty? And the obvious and clear answer to that question is no. Anything anybody says about God, apart from what God has revealed concerning himself, is pure speculation. There's a story about a college student who was taken a course on the study of birds. I thought this would kind of be appropriate for graduation. Some of you are just finishing up with a final exam. Some of you may be going into them, but college student who was taking a course on the study of birds, and he's kind of studying for this big final exam, and so the night before the final exam, he stays up all night, and he's studying, studying, studying. He basically just might memorize the textbook. He knew the class notes forwards and backwards, inside and out. And the next morning, he goes in to take the exam, and he sits down there in the front row. In front of him on this table were 10 stuffed birds. The problem was each bird had a sack covering the body, and only its legs were showing. The students all kind of looked at it and kind of wondering what is going on here. And so the class started. The professor come in and told the students they were to identify the bird under the bag just by looking at its legs. They were to give the bird's name, the species, the habitat, mating habits, etc. And the professor hadn't told any of the students that this was the way the exam was going to be done. 
So none of the students just studied the legs. So the longer this one student sat there and looked at the legs of these birds under a bag, the madder he got because they all looked about the same. He had stayed up all night studying for this test, and he knew everything that there was to know in the book, in the notes, and now all the test comes down to identifying birds only by their legs. The more he thought about it, the matter he got, and he finally just snapped. Students stood up, marched to the professor's desk, slammed the exam down on the desk and said, this is the most ridiculous test I've ever heard of. How can anybody tell the difference between these birds just by looking at their legs? You are the biggest idiot I've ever seen in my life. Student turned around and he stormed out of the room and the professor, after kind of regaining his composure, shouted at the young man, wait a minute, who are you? What is your name? Student turned around pulled up his pant leg and said, you tell me, buddy, you tell me. (laughs) Again, the only thing we can know about God personally, confidently, is what God tells us, and that is why the term, the word, revelation, is so important. In Latin, a vellum is a veil, and the word re there has something to do with taking something away. So revelation is when a veil is removed or taken away. It's when a curtain is kind of just pulled back and we are allowed to see what is behind it. Do you realize because God is infinite and we are finite, God is so far above us and beyond us that if we were left to our own reasoning, our own thinking, our own brain power, we would never ever know anything really meaningful about him. This is where the Bible comes in. This is why the word of God is so crucial and critical to who we are as people of God, to who we are as a church. The Bible, the word of God, it is revelation from God of truth concerning God that we would never ever know otherwise. That is why it is absolutely imperative we understand this book. We read it. We study it. We meditate on it because this is not just an ordinary book. It is the word of God. It is the revelation of God. It is the pulling back of the veil in order to show us and to tell us something about who God is. The Bible answers a lot of questions such as who is God? Who is mankind? What is the purpose of mankind? Why are we here? How are we created? Does God want a relationship with us? And if so, how? This and so many other important questions are answered in this one book. One thing important to understand about the Bible, and that is is that the Bible was written by man, but more importantly, it is inspired by God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture is inspired by God, and it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us 
to do. That's the purpose. It's to teach us what is true. It's not to say this is what is true for me and this is what is true for Mark, this is what is true for Jim, and to have all of those things be at odds with one another. It is to unite us. It is to give us a common understanding, a belief that we can unite around. It is to straighten your life out. It is to teach us to do what is right. It's God's way of fully equipping you and I for every good thing God wants us to do. So let's get into this. What what does Paul mean when he states the Bible is inspired by God? Because oftentimes people just dismiss the book as, oh, it was just written by a bunch of old men who really don't know anything about culture, at least not our culture. And so a lot of times people just dismiss this book because in their mind, it was just written by men. And that's true, it was. But the other and more important part of that, this was inspired by God. And I think when you understand what the idea of inspiration is, it will lend a lot of credibility to what God wants to do with this book in your life. What is God's role in the inspiration of Scripture? Inspiration is that special, unique, powerful influence of the Holy Spirit active, operating in the lives of holy, God-fearing men. So important to understand. These were men, but these were men who were really empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what God was calling them to do in the writing of this scripture. And it qualified and enabled them to make an infallible, accurate, and truthful record of divine truth according and concerning the will of God to mankind. The purpose of inspiration is to secure and to ensure truth and unity in what is written. Revelation is about discovering new truths while inspiration oversees and supervises the communicating and accurate recording of that truth. So God's part in the inspiration of the Bible was he oversaw and he supervised through the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit that what these men wrote in the Bible, that what they recorded, that it was accurate, truthful, and faithful to God's revelation. That's why in the Bible, you will find the lies of Satan and men. You'll find false doctrines. You'll find many sins listed in the scripture. Again, you don't have to get too far into the Bible in Genesis 2 and 3. And there you find the story of the Garden of Eden. You see what God said concerning the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You find the activity of the serpent. And then you see the activities or the response there of Adam and Eve. In Genesis 2 and 3, you have God telling Adam, if anyone eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they will surely die. Then along comes the serpent, and you have his statement recorded as he deceives Eve. 
And then you also see the fallout of that when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So right there in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, you have the truth of God, you have the lies of Satan, and the rebellion of Adam and Eve, all of that is accurately conveyed and truthfully told. So when Paul says all scripture is inspired by God, inspiration simply means God oversaw and he supervised the recording of these statements and activities to ensure and guarantee their accuracy and truth. So the truths God spoke that are recorded in the Bible are correctly and accurately the truths God spoke exactly the way God spoke it. The lies that are recorded in the scripture are accurately and truthfully the lies that were told. The rebellion described in the Bible is accurately and honestly the rebellion that took place. The heresies that are taught by certain men are accurately and faithfully recorded as they were taught. And the crimes recorded in the Bible were honestly, accurately, truthfully the crimes that were committed. So in 2 Timothy 3.16, and Paul says there, all scripture is inspired by God. What he is conveying to us is that what is recorded in the Bible, God has taken responsibility. He has taken it upon himself to make sure that whatever has been recorded in this Bible is accurate and truthful to what was actually said and done. That is why it is so important as you're reading and studying the Bible to know whether men or Satan, evil men, righteous men, prophets, or is it God who is speaking in Scripture? Because here's the thing. God is not responsible for what others have said just because God causes what they did say to be accurately recorded by inspiration. God's not responsible for what others have done simply because God caused what they did to be accurately, faithfully recorded. All God ensures and guarantees an inspiration of the word is that these things were said and done exactly as recorded. So man's role was to write what the Holy Spirit was leading, inspiring, bringing to their thought, to their mind, to their inner man. And they just wrote it. And God's role through the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit in and through them was to oversee and guarantee and ensure that what those men wrote was recorded accurately and truthfully. That's why, again, If if you just take even one verse out of this Bible and and say, I don't don't believe this, I don't believe this is true, what stops you from doing two? What stops you from doing three verses? What stops you from doing chapters and eventually whole books? Folks, it's either all inspired or none of it is inspired. You can't say parts of this are inspired. Because then we're going to have a disagreement over which parts I think are inspired versus what parts Mark thinks is inspired, what parts Jim thinks is inspired. 
So we each have our own separate little inspired Bible of verses that we agree with. That is not the point. It is to teach us the truth. It is to point out the sin, the errors, the mistakes, the heresies in our own lives. It's to teach us what is right. It is to equip you and I for every good work that God wants to do in and through us. That's the purpose. In the Bible, you have scriptures where you will find inspiration without revelation. For example, in Luke chapter 1, 1 through 4, Luke kind of gives the preface there as to the point of him writing what he wrote there. And he says, most honorable Theophilus, many people have written accounts about the events that took place among us. They used as their source material the reports circulating among us from the early disciples and other eyewitnesses of what God had done in fulfillment of his promises. He's kind of just like a reporter, a good reporter. And he just went around and he interviewed people who had actually maybe met the Savior, who had maybe walked with the Savior. He interviews the mother of Jesus, Mary. I mean, he goes around to all of these people who had firsthand eyewitnesses accounts and said, just tell me what you saw, tell me what you heard, tell me what he did. And, and, and he just began to record that for this man, Theophilus. So having carefully investigated all of these accounts from the beginning, I have decided to write a certain summary for you to reassure you of the truth of all you were taught. Luke's gospel was, again, actually a letter to a man named Theophilus. I don't think Luke had any idea how God was going to use that letter in generations to come. He thinks, I'm just writing a letter to this one man, and that's all the further it's going to go. That's all the influence and impact it's going to have. Theophilus was a Jewish historian, and he was a high priest who was being instructed in his Christian faith. And in this passage in Luke, there's no revelation there. Luke is simply putting together, he says, I'm just writing a summary for Theophilus of the truth regarding the birth, life, ministry, teaching, miracle, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now again, God's part in this through the Holy Spirit is to work through the writer Luke to bring to his mind the things, the events, the words God wanted recorded and then to make sure, guarantee, and oversee that what Luke wrote in his gospel was accurate and truthful. So that is inspiration without revelation. There's also places in Scripture where you have inspiration with revelation. For example, Revelation, the last book of the New Testament, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says, This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him concerning the events that will happen soon. An angel was sent to God's servant John so that John could share the revelation with God's other servants. John faithfully, I love this, this is what God did in him. John faithfully reported the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, everything he saw. The Holy Spirit is working in John, bringing to John's uh, abilities, just infusing John's ability with words and, and being able to accurately convey as best he could in human terminology all that he was seeing, all that he was hearing. So John is banished to this island of Patmos. And there he is given revelation knowledge through this angel of the Lord of, of certain future events that would take place. And again, John's role is simply to be faithful 
in just recording what it is he saw and what it is he heard through this messenger that this angel God sent. Now, God's role in the inspiration, this is why, again, all Scripture is inspired, is to supervise, to oversee John's recording of this revelation to ensure and guarantee that what John saw and what he recorded was accurate, truthful, faithful to what John saw in that revelation. Again, the purpose of revelation and inspiration is to ensure and warrant unity and truth in what is written. Then you have places in Scripture where you have inspiration without illumination. For example, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, it says this salvation was something the prophets wanted to know more about. Now he's talking about these prophets in the Old Testament. He said they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you, even though they had many questions as to what it all could mean. So God's giving these Old Testament prophets revelation. He's given them prophecy about a salvation that is going to come one day in the future. And it, and it just sounds so marvelous, so gracious, so awesome, so splendid. They, they couldn't wrap their minds around the concept of this. Said they, the prophets, wondered what the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. I mean, imagine that. You're an Old Testament prophet, and you're getting visions and revelations about a coming Savior that's going to be crucified, and he's going to be resurrected. They're like, what? we can't even wrap our minds around that kind of a concept said they wondered when and to whom all this would happen. Do you realize that it, we're on the receiving end of this? This is awesome. So then they were told that these things would not happen during their lifetime, but many years later, during yours, ours. And now this good news has been announced by those who have preached to you in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things unfold. So Peter's referring again to the Old Testament prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, who through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the revelation power of the Holy Spirit, they begin to prophesy about events they did not fully understand. And as these prophets are prophesying and speaking and writing down the things they hear and see the Spirit of God to reveal to them. Again, they are accurately recording what they saw and heard, even though at times they didn't have the foggiest idea what they were even talking about. Again, they lacked the illumination, the understanding of what it all meant. But they were obedient to carefully and accurately record what they heard the Spirit of the Lord speak to them. That's why 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, it says this, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. If they would have interpreted this for us, it would have been a mess. They would have, they would have missed it. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Man, that should be our prayer every time we get into the pulpit. God, just carry me by the power of your Holy Spirit. So again, God's role 
through inspiration, was again to supervise the prophets. Again, through the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit, alive, active, and working in and through them to ensure and guarantee what these prophets saw, what they heard. They're accurately, truthfully recording everything they saw and heard, even though it may have been tempting for some of them to maybe kind of begin to add in their own interpretation. Well, this is what I think it means. God watched over what they wrote, what they recorded to make sure that it was accurate and truthful, even though they may have been tempted to alter the word of God so it made sense to them. There are places in the Bible where you have inspiration with both revelation and illumination. One such case is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 through 16. I have a point to this, so if you're wondering where's he going with this. God has actually given us his spirit. Again, not the world's spirit, but God's spirit. Why? Why has God given you his Holy Spirit? Well, he tells you there, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. You know, you can't know that without the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You may be sitting here this morning, you're lost, you're confused, you're bored, you're thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. I'm just here to tell you, chances are probably very good you don't have the Holy Spirit working in and through you. Because the Holy Spirit wants to be working in and through you to begin to reveal truth to you. He wants to illuminate you. He wants to give you the knowledge. He wants to give you the understanding so that you can begin to understand and begin to walk in and walk out the wonderful things that God has freely given you. And he goes on, when we tell you this, we do not use words of human wisdom. That's why I love that video at the very beginning there of the sermon. We speak words given to us by the Spirit using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. That is inspiration, folks. That is revelation and inspiration there. The Apostle Paul saying, you know what, I'm faithful, I'm obedient, I'm accurate in speaking the words given to me by the Holy Spirit. He says, that is my role, that is my responsibility, that is my obligation God's role and inspiration, again, through the Holy Spirit is to not only give us and to give Paul the words of his spirit in order to explain spiritual things, but God also oversaw and he supervised and guarantees that everything Paul wrote is accurate and truthful to what God wanted communicated. It goes on and says, but people who aren't Christians can't understand these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them because only those who have the Spirit can understand what the Spirit means. you got to have the Spirit to discern spiritual things. We who have the Spirit understand these things, but others cannot understand us at all. For How could they? And for, Paul says, and here he's quoting Isaiah 40, 13. Now again, remember, Isaiah's writing... This hundreds of years before the Apostle Paul would quote it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Again, Isaiah probably had no idea the full impact of what he was saying at that time. And the Apostle Paul picks up on that truth of what Isaiah was prophesying. And then Paul begins to give it truth and understanding Isaiah couldn't have. He said, we can know what the Lord is thinking. Isaiah says, Who can know what the Lord is thinking? 
Who can give God counsel? And Paul gives, here's the revelation. Here's the illumination. He says, but we can understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. Bible's not just a work of man, folks. And it's not just a work of God. Rather, it is a work of God involving man. So when we read 2 Timothy 3.16, and it says there that all, again, not just some, if you're going to pick one out, you got to throw it all out. When we read there that all Scripture is inspired by God, again, what that means is that God has supervised who wrote the Bible, and he empowered them with his Holy Spirit to ensure and to guarantee that what they wrote is accurate and truthful to all that was said and done. That is why you'll find places in the Bible where you have inspiration without revelation. That's why I kind of went through those four areas with you. So you'll find places in the Bible where you have inspiration without revelation. You'll have places where you have inspiration with revelation, inspiration without illumination, and places where you have inspiration with revelation and illumination. But you will never, ever find a sentence in this book that is not inspired by God. That's why 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All of it is inspired. God oversaw it all. God guarantees everything that is recorded in this word is accurate and truthful. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 through 6 rightly says, Every word of God proves true. He defends all who come to him for protection. Do not add to his words, or he may rebuke you, and you will be found a liar. Through God's inspiration, he watched over his word, And through the power of the Holy Spirit and the lives of very holy, godly men, he gave to us an accurate and a truthful word. That again, if you'll allow it to be truthful, to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, it straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants to do. Amen? Let's stand. Father, we just thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Father, for the inspiration, the overseeing, the guaranteeing, the protecting, the ensuring, the unifying that your Holy Spirit did through the pen, through the lives, through the inner man of God-fearing holy men. That, God, you oversaw this whole process to make sure that everything that was recorded, that all of it was accurate and truthful. And so, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for this foundation. Father, we lay this foundation for our lives. We lay this as a foundation for our church. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that as we begin to anticipate and draw near to this Bible reading marathon. Father, I just pray, Lord, that this would have the effect in this city, in this county, in this state, in this nation, that the reading of your word did there in the nation of Israel under the leadership of King Josiah. 
Father, I pray, Lord, that this morning that you would just stir and instill in every heart here a need to get involved, to take even if it's just a 15-minute time slot, that, God, they would avail themselves to be able to come and to stand and to read this inspired word. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, as we begin to make preparations, God, that you would move on the hearts of men and women, that you would move on the hearts of young people, that again, God, they would see the importance of your word, the importance and the power of the spoken word, and that, God, we would all come together, that we would unite around this one purpose, to proclaim the word of God with boldness. For we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And Father, we thank you for the power. We thank you for the inspiration of this word. May it continue to be a guidance to our lives and to our church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.